on this episode of The Brie Hive. Today we're talking about how loopies need love too. Those with chronic illnesses need love too. And of course, I have the honor and the absolute pleasure of having a special guest with me to talk about this topic because this topic is very important. A lot of times, you know, you know, we think of those who are living with chronic illnesses and we think they don't need love too, and they do. So I am so excited to welcome not only a friend, not only a close friend, sister, all of that, the amazing Renee Rivers. She is a sexual health educator as well as a mental health therapist. And I am so happy to be able to be on this podcast with her. And so why don't we go ahead and get started, right? And so, of course, Renee, welcome, 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 welcome. And I want you to just go ahead and take a moment to introduce yourself because, of course, I I just wouldn't do it right. So, Renee. Oh, thanks so much, Brie. <laughs> I am so excited, so excited to be here. And this is just such a phenomenal topic to be discussing with folks to really get an understanding around folks living with chronic illness and specifically lupus and how to engage in sexual relations and intimate relationships and really, you know, have a real conversation about what that looks like. You know, I've been a sexual health educator for the past four and a half years. So it's like just yesterday I just started and coupling that, coupling that with my experience as a mental health health therapist, I was so excited to join you in this conversation as we explore, you know, what these, what the reality of this looks like for folks with lupus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's crazy because, of course, when we think of people that are living with chronic illnesses, right, especially, you know, lupus, we talk about lupus a lot. You know, there are people that, you know, are on dialysis like me. And then with dialysis, you have different types of dialysis. Then you have people with heart issues and, you know, hip replacements. And I think, you know, thinking of that, there's this stigma. There's this thought that, hey, you know, those people who are living with chronic illnesses are not engaging in sexual intercourse or in relationships, period. When that's not technically true, there are people living with partners. There are people that have chronic illnesses that are married. They have children. A lot of times there is this thought. There has been, I mean, many people, you know, in my lifetime who has always, you know, thought or had the thought that people living with lupus could not have children, right? They could not produce children or they were not, I guess, wanting or not dating, you know? And surprisingly so, there are people that are out there living with chronic illnesses like lupus that are in serious relationships, if not married with children and living happy lives. And, you know, on this podcast, you know, I just want to, of course, give, you know, a major shout out to those that are living with chronic illnesses that are, you know, in happy relationships that are dating and even to those who are, you know, trying to date and wanting to date. And that's why, you know, we're having, you know, this conversation. And, you know, I want to be the first to say it's okay. It's okay to not know that people living with chronic illnesses engage in it. And that's why that's a whole nother reason why we have the prehive, right? The prehive is to talk about these these things that are not talked about enough or a lot. You know, before we talked about, you know, mental health and, you know, living with a chronic illness and what that looks like. And so, you know, of course, here we are talking about being in a relationship. And has the loopy girl been in a relationship? Yes. You know, and being in a relationship is just like any other relationship, you know? Yes. Do we hold hands? Yes. Do Is there sexual relation involved? Yes. Is childbirth involved? All of those things are involved and all of those things are normal. And I think sometimes when we take the, the, the stigma and the negative thought off of chronic illnesses altogether, I think that whole shade and thought process for many people will definitely change. And so with that, before I start asking questions with Renee and letting Renee talk, you know, when it comes to, you know, needing love and wanting love and, you know, all of that good stuff, you know, like I said, it's okay. And 
I love love, whether it's me in love or whether it's somebody else in love. I just love to see love. Like, it's so amazing to see two people just be in love with each other, want each other, admire each other. And, you know, living with a chronic illness should not change that. It should not make love look any different from anyone who may not not be living with chronic illness. I know Renee will, you know, talk about this, but even with those living with chronic illnesses, you know, it is so important to understand sexual health and understand that sexual health is not only sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse is a piece of sexual health. You know, consent is very important within sexual health, making sure that you are getting your checkups. And that's not only for those who are living with uteruses, those, you know, also, you know, those who are living, you know, with penises and, you know, living their best life. You know, we want to make sure that we are going to you know, our doctors and we are taking care of ourselves because when you feel good, when you look good, you are good. And, you know, we want to be our best selves. Right. And so if we if we want to love on others, we have to be able to love ourselves. And a part of loving ourselves, is, you know, it includes our sexual health. So now that I got that out of the way, Renee, you know, you know, with your expertise, would you be able to just talk a little bit about the importance? You know, I think I, I talked about it just a little tad bit, but just the importance of sexual health and understanding it, whether it's from a chronic illness, you know, someone living with a chronic illness or just, you know, someone that's not living with a chronic illness. You know, what does sexual health look like and, and you know, why is it so important? Yeah, great question. Great question, Brian. I love that. I think people oftentimes only associate sex with like the physical act of it, right? Right. But sexual health, it's it's such a huge part of who we are as human beings and how we connect with each other, mm -hmm. right? It not only includes that physical connection of you and your partner, but it takes an emotional toll on you. It has an emotional component. It has a mental health component and even your social health. So you have to be aware of your sexual health status if it's taking those STI and STD tests to ensure that you're informed of your status. But mm -hmm. also, you know, exploring your body and be, being comfortable with yourself so that way you're mentally and emotionally prepared for what you're about to embark in. You know, it's about having those conversations. It's about understanding that you can consent enthusiastically and you can revoke consent at any point that you're not comfortable, right? right. And so it's having those conversations. It's protecting yourself, understanding your partner and your, their boundaries and your boundaries, and really just making sure that you're comfortable, you're well, and you're communicating. I think communication is the biggest part of sexual health that people tend to neglect. There's mm -hmm. the, the nonverbal communication. And then there's the verbal communication where we can talk about what we need and how we can build trust and intimacy in that setting. And so, and that's sexual health across the spectrum, right? Whether you have a chronic disease or not, but even more so communication is important. If you have a chronic illness, you mm -hmm. have to be able to communicate what your comfort is. You know, if you're experiencing pain, maybe a different position would be better or maybe not right now would be better. Right. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. it's really just understanding what your needs are, understanding how to communicate with your partner so that your 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 partner is comfortable and they don't see you as somebody who's fragile, but they see you as a sexual being. But you're mm -hmm. also communicating what your needs are. So that way you can get to your happy ending, whatever that looks like for you as well. So, yeah. Dog, that was a good, oh man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, that's like, I mean, it's so important because, you know, loopies, we all know, we've all experienced it where we're dealing with swelling, we're dealing with, you know, joint pain, we're dealing with fatigue. And so, you know, it's just so important to communicate effectively. And I think Renee did an amazing job of talking about a little bit about what that looks like, right? And so something that you touched on that was really, really important was consent, right? And consenting enthousi enthusiastically. Is that, yeah. I think that's the word, yeah. right? And <laughs> so, you know, it's one thing to consent, right? We, we have to, you know, it's, it's, you know, yes. Like a lot of people think that a mm-hmm or just a simple nod is, no. Enthusiastically is like, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's just so, so, so important. And Renee, I just think that was just like absolutely amazing. Something else you talked about, you know, making sure that we get those STD tests and, and that's taking care of ourselves. And so mm -hmm. something, you know, that I think is important and I always would 
preach is, you know, making sure that you are routinely, you know, being tested, you know, right. like I say all the time, um, or I used to say all the time, you know, when I was a sexual health educator, it's so important to make sure that you're being tested, you know, at least, at least once a year. I always say, please test after every partner, you know, what you do is your business, but also if it's not once after every partner, if you have one partner, you're in a monogamous relationship, um, I always say at least once every six months, just to make sure, just to, you know, make sure all is well. And so my second question is, you know, just for someone who is not living with a chronic illness, right, but may have a partner that has a chronic illness, right? Do you have any tips or any words of advice for someone who, you know, they have consent, but maybe they may, you know, because sometimes they may, they may have a fear because they don't know, even though it's been communicated that it's okay. Even though, it, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, you know, yes, let's do this. Do you have any tips for them that may make them more comfortable to want to engage with their partner who may be living with a chronic yeah, I will. My my number one tip is always going to be to lean into that discomfort. Because sometimes we think communication is just, did I ask the right questions? Did they answer my questions? It's really about ensuring that you and your partner are both comfortable. And so you might have a question about a sexual position that you're not sure if they're comfortable with, or mm -hmm. a sexual, something that you want to try in the bedroom that you're not sure that they're able to do because of their chronic illness. And so mm -hmm. it's really just asking the questions and it's not leading it in a way that's like, hey, babe, I know you have lupus. Can you do this or that? But it's, hey, I was thinking about doing this sexy thing in the bedroom. And what do you think about it? Right. Because mm -hmm. you want to see the person as a sexual being, not just their their chronic illness. Right. You take you take that into consideration. Yes, my partner is living with a chronic illness and I have to take some things into consideration, like the time that I'm ready to have sex, they may not be able to do it. So we may have to pivot to do something different, something that's more around foreplay or intimacy or something that's not direct intercourse. And so it's being open to those changes, but having those conversations, like there should be nothing between you and your partner that is off limits. So ask those questions. You're in an intimate relationship. Ask those intimate questions that can only be asked in the bedroom. Like what makes you feel good? Is this okay? Is that okay? Is it okay if we try this? or having those conversations that, that are going on in your mind, have them with your partner so they can confirm those anxieties or you know, work with you in different ways. But it's really about you know, taking the gloves off, having those conversations and normalizing the situation. The worst thing that you can do is make up a whole narrative in your head about what your partner is capable of doing, where your partner could find pleasure when you can just ask them. Mm -hmm. And that's in any relationship, chronic illness or not. Ask mm -hmm. your partner what they like and what they don't like, what they're willing to try and what they don't want to try, right? Yeah, and absolutely. so it's really just having those uncomfortable conversations because a lot of times that discomfort is on our end and mm -hmm. has nothing to do with our partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that, I think it's also important, you know, to remember, you know, I think because, you know, sex is so intimate, right? Like mm -hmm. this person, like, I mean, let's just be honest. Like this person is seeing you like, naked, right? Like right. this is your most vulnerable self. And so mm -hmm. if you are allowing this person to see your most vulnerable self, then you all should be able to have that open communication where there is no question off of the table. Like you should be able to have that conversation and really talk and really get an understanding as to like what's going on. Just how we, you know, we talk and, you know, we tell what we like and we don't like. I think that is, is it's okay to tell them what we like and we don't like, you know, when having sex. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I think it's important. You know, we yeah. have tons of tips and tricks, you know, when it comes to that intersection of sexual health and mental health, there's tons of support groups for everything. If you do mm -hmm. a Google search and you're like sex with a sex with a partner with chronic illness, there are going to be support groups that come up that you can join and ask questions. There's going to be assisted devices like those wedge pillows that you can use to help put you in a different position for a mm -hmm. prolonged time that can help with sex. And so it's doing your research and do that research with your partner. Say, mm -hmm. hey, what are some things that we can bring into the bedroom to make sex more pleasurable? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when folks are dealing with soreness or swelling or just they're not able to move their hips in certain positions, those pillows will really help with that. 
Mm -hmm. No, totally agree. And if you have questions about, you know, I know there's some people who are like, well, you know, I'm not sure and this and that. Having a conversation with your doctor, sex is not off the table. You know, we, Uh especially, you know, as living with uteruses, we go to the gynecologist, you know, get everything checked out. That may be a good, you know, good time to have that conversation. Ask those questions. You know, it, it doesn't hurt. Like I always say, no question is a dumb question. And if it's on your mind, believe it or not, there is somebody in this world who is having probably that same thought in their head and have that same question as you do. And so don't ever think that, you know, for a second that you just can't ask that question because Mm -hmm. there are people out here, like Renee said, you know, you have those support groups and there are physicians out here who can help. Exactly. Especially if it's a question about sex, we're going to be having Mm -hmm. sex for the rest of our lives. And so there's going to be somebody that has answers to those questions that are on your mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, I always recommend, hey, I mean, those who are living with lupus, you know, we all know that we have our rheumatologist. That is our particular doctor that specializes in lupus. And for everyone else living with different chronic illnesses that, you know, go to their specialist, you can even have a conversation with them, talking Mm -hmm. to them as well as your primary, you know, because us that live with chronic illnesses, we see the doctor a lot. We see different doctors. We see our specialists. And so when you have those questions, please take the time to ask those questions. And don't think that for a second that because you have a chronic illness that you are just off limits from having sex. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Oh, and if I could add something there, you just mentioned something that I wanted to talk about your medication. So Mm -hmm. understanding, having those conversations with the different specialists you see about how your medication interacts with one another will give you an idea about like why your sex drive is either increased or decreased Mm -hmm. and what's going on with being able to, to, to obtain an erection and sustain one and being able to, for those with the uterus, being able to have those vaginal secretions that allow for that pleasurable sex. And so if you're finding yourself not being able to get wet, or not being able to maintain an erection, those medications have a an effect on that. So having those conversations and being aware of what you need to do in order to prepare for sex is going to be something that will help not only increase your ability to have sex, but increase the pressure around it. Once you're aware of like, okay, this is the medication. It's not just me. How can I work with the medication and still enjoy my sex life? It'll make a lot more sense if you ask those questions to those different specialists that Brie had just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because this was like the next like kind of like oh. this is where we was going. Okay, so it just made it perfect. But yeah, like there are a lot of people that are living with chronic illnesses. And, you know, for me, I speak more to those that are living with uteruses. And, you know, vaginal dryness is a major thing that happens, especially mm-hmm. with those because you are taking, you know, those different medications and it's so crazy because you're taking so many medications. You don't know what's causing it. You know, okay. you taking five, six medications, or you can even be taking two. You don't know which one it is, right? You don't want to stop a medication to try to figure out, oh, I don't understand why my vagina is not juicing up the way, you know, it does or whatever, whatever word you use. But yeah, you, you know, you just don't know. But there are things out there, um, you know, to help. You know what I'm saying? So don't think for a a moment just because, you know, you're having those issues that, okay, up, we got to put everything up. We got to stop. We got to close shop because it's dried up. Got to stop. No, you know, there are lubricants out there that you can can use to help, you know. And again, you know, don't be afraid to have that conversation with your partner, you know, because sometimes, you know, believe it or not, when you're not saying anything that that cause for that can cause for your partner. They kind of generate thoughts in their own head. And, you know, let's just say you were like, ah, it got dry. They may think that it's them. And it's not. It's just the simple fact that, you know, the medication that you're taking and and even maybe your thought process, you know, you may, you may, you know, be thinking like, oh my gosh, you got all these things going on in your head and wondering if, you know, everything is okay. You know, it's so many things, so many factors that can have an effect on dryness or even having an erection and so it's okay okay it's okay
something else where I came up, where I came up in my head, medication Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's very important to remember, take your medication. Mm -hmm. Take your medication. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Take your medication. And so you have some people that feel like, okay, you know what? I know that I'm about to be doing cartwheels. Okay. So I need to take Tylenol or I need to take, you know, whatever medication that helps with pain. And I say that because, of course, a lot of people that are living with lupus, for example, you have people that are living with arthritis. You know, they're dealing with joint pain and, you know, they're dealing with swelling and all of these different things. Right. And so if it takes for you to put on some biofreeze on the knees to make sure that you are able to do what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. If, you know, in, you know, when you feel good, if you feel like, you know, you got, you know, to style your knees, but you just need a little, you know, a little ointment to keep it going, do your thing, you know, do what you got to do for you and don't ever feel like what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. percent. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, that is very important. So just kind of deviate in a way, you know, from just sex, sex, talking about children, right? and having children now can't talk too much i feel that i can't talk too much about children because of course i don't have children right but something Mm -hmm. that comes up in my mind of course is thinking about having children you know of course me as a loopy girl i want to have children i get that question a lot yes i do want to have children and you know this of course being on this this podcast of course i feel like Sometimes when we talk about these topics, you know, of course, that allows me to be vulnerable. And I love the fact that, you know, it's this this space, you know, has been created to be able to, you know, talk about these things. And, you know, having children is just such a beautiful thing. And I wanted to go into this section because there are so many loopies and I and I use loopies. And, you know, there are some people that I've met that have other chronic illnesses that I talk to when they come to me. and a fear of theirs is that they can't have children. And, you know, some people fear that, well, you know, I may have a very high risk pregnancy. And is this something that I want to experience? And, you know, the what ifs and can I do this? And something that I always say is God has the last say so. And y'all, I have met people, I know this sounds crazy, but I have, I met a woman, y'all, that was on dialysis, just like me. And she had two kids. Okay? On dialysis. So, I say that to say, do not ever feel or believe or think that because you have a chronic illness that you can. And for for years, that was a thought that was in the back of my head. Like, hey, you know, can I have kids? Of course, because, you know, my family, you know, that's the thing. Like I'm a woman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I have a uterus and, you know, I want to be, I want to, I want to give my, you know, my parents, you know, grandchildren, I want to be able to give my husband, you know, children and create a, a legacy for ourselves and a general, you know, generations to come of this amazing soul. Like, how could I leave here without like a, another piece of me? Like it's mm-hmm. me, you know? And so I just wanted to kind of, you know, put that out there because and not to say that it has it is something that even I have overcome because it's something that I still deal with. It's something that I still think about because of course we're older now, you know, and I'm watching my friends, I'm watching family members, my siblings, you know, have children. And so it's kind of like, all right, you know, and have I gotten, you know, that notice from the doctor like hey you want to be mindful of your age you want to be mindful of this and that and even my transplant team you know those who know me you know I've had two kidney transplants and a concern of mine was having children you know could I have children though I've had you know though I have this artificial well not artificial kidney but a kidney that was not I wasn't born with that kidney technically isn't mine you know and it's foreign it's foreign to the body so can my body withstand having you know a foreign kidney as well as dealing with 
conceiving because conceiving is stress on the body. And those who, you know, those knowing lupus, big symptom of a flare up and getting sick with lupus and many other chronic illnesses is stress. And so, Renee, if you could just, you know, I know that you would have a lot more insight as far as conceiving and, you know, tips and things that, you know, people can do to prepare. Let's just say, for instance, they they want to plan mm-hmm. to conceive, you know, and whether they have a chronic illness or not, because this platform is not only for those who are living with chronic illnesses. I know there are people who don't have chronic illnesses who are are fearful as well. And there are people who, you know, don't have a chronic illness, but by the time they conceive and give birth, they're living with a chronic illness. I have met people living with lupus who have given birth and now they have lupus. You know, they didn't have lupus prior to their pregnancy. And so would you be able to give some tips or, you know, advice to planning or even if they, they are currently pregnant, you know, just to, you know, I guess to take care of their, their health, some tips that they could yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I, I, first and foremost, I believe that our maker, whoever you believe your maker is, has the final say so. And so I, I don't think anyone should take pregnancy off the shelf until it has been deemed so by our maker, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, folks that are living with chronic diseases, like lupus, it's very possible for you to have a healthy, viable pregnancy and be happy throughout the entire time. But that doesn't happen without planning, Right. And so you have to understand, you have to first have your lupus under control, right? Mm-hmm. For at least, the recommendation is at least four to six months of is the last flare up or lupus activity in order to start talking about conceiving, because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you're in the best possible position in order to take on the stress that the body's going to take on while, you know, producing, while developing this baby. And so it's really having those conversations with your doctor, whether it's lupus, diabetes or any other chronic illness that folks are living with is really having those conversations with their specialists and really talking about, I want to have a baby. What is the time frame? When should I look, when should I start conceiving? Or if I have a positive pregnancy test, here's where I'm at. What do I need to do to make sure that this baby, you know, is I can hold on to this baby to term. Mm-hmm. And so it is really having those conversations, talking to your doctor and planning appropriately. Just like you have to be, I always say, folks that are living with chronic diseases have to be their number one advocates. You have to mm-hmm. advocate for yourself in every healthcare setting because people all, don't always know how to treat you. And that's even more you know, apparent and difficult if you're in one of those marginalized groups, like if you're a Black woman, for example. Mm-hmm. And so the pregnancy risks are higher and it's even higher with a chronic disease. And so it's getting your team of doctors on the same page. It's asking those questions that are going to bring you comfort and really understanding what those numbers mean. You know, looking at your numbers, being able to monitor them, going for your blood test, and ensuring that you're in the best possible position, whether it's modifying that diet, increasing the physical activity where you're able to, and really having those conversations to help you bring that baby to term. You know, I have my sister-in-law. She has two wonderful daughters who are well into their 20s now, she had lupus when she got pregnant. She has she was pregnant with lupus. And so she was able to do it twice to have her daughters. And so it's something, if it's a goal of yours, that it's definitely possible. But it's just having those conversations with your doctors, just like you have about any other test result, talking to them about that pregnancy to ensure that you can bring that baby to term. But there are risks involved. You know, you're more likely, you have a higher risk for a miscarriage or a stillbirth if your lupus isn't under control or your chronic illness isn't under control. And so those are the realities of it. You know, if you have a flare up during your pregnancy, you have to see your doctor right away to ensure that you and baby are well. And so just making sure that you're in tune with your body, you know what your body feels like. You know when you're getting ready to have an off day or if you need to lay down for a little bit longer or if you need to talk about, you know, modifying your meds. And so it's really having that conversation and really paying attention to your body throughout the entire process. But it's definitely possible with folks living with chronic diseases to be able to have a pregnancy that's healthy and take that child to term. One Mm -hmm. of the things that I loved when I was doing some of this research is that the likelihood of you giving birth to a child with lupus after having lupus is very low. 
And so if you're concerned about passing on your chronic disease, just fear not. Do some research, talk to your doctor, have those tests run, and just ease your pain, ease your anxiety by having those questions answered. But oftentimes, lupus is not something that is passed from mother to child. So rest at ease that that's not going to always be the case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, with that, talk to your doctor, especially because, you know, us living with lupus and I'm sure with other chronic illnesses, you are taking different medications, right? And so you want to make sure that you are on the right types of medications because there are medications that can be harmful to your baby. So just for example, warfarin. Warfarin is a big one. You know, for those who do not know what warfarin is, warfarin, also known as Coumadin, is a blood thinner. So, you know, that is one that is highly talked about. Also, I want to make sure I pronounce it right, even though I take it, misophenolate. So misophenolate is also another one that a lot of people take, especially when it comes to trying to protect the kidneys as much as possible. You know, that's that's another one that, you know, may need to be changed. You know, with the blood thinner, you know, you may be changed to Lovenox. Who knows? You know, where Lovenox is injected as a needle through the abdomen, usually, usually. And so you just want to make sure that you have the right conversations with your doctor. And if you plan on, you know, being pregnant, hey, you want to talk to your doctor beforehand that I'm sure the doctor will, you know, take you through that, that process of, you know, transitioning you to the right medications, putting you on the right dosage to make sure that you and your baby are, you know, protected, you know, during your pregnancy. And also something that even was recommended to me when planning your pregnancy, or even if, you know, you find out you're pregnant, um, it is highly recommended to find a OBGYN that works with high-risk pregnancies. You know, having lupus is high-risk. You know, having lupus and, you know, caring, you want to make sure that you're crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You want to make sure that, you know, no matter what, because a lot of times, especially you know, I talk a lot from a lupus standpoint, but just with chronic illnesses, period, a lot of things can be going on in the body and we do not know. You know, we may feel really good, but, you know, a lot may be going on in there. Alarms may be going off. And so you just want to make sure that, you know, everything is okay, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, you can have a baby full term, no problems. And just because you have lupus does not guarantee nor mean that your child will have lupus or any chronic illness any other chronic illness mm -hmm. okay also something that something else i want to touch on you know take a look at your health insurance plan take a look at those doctors that's in that plan do your research you know research doesn't you know hurt just like we take that time and you know do the research to find the good doctor you know and we call you know, those living with those same chronic illnesses or other chronic illnesses that we know, trying to find the best doctor. Let's do the same thing while we're going through pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we're talking about pregnancy, something else that I want to talk about where it hits more home for me. And just because you have a miscarriage, right? Just because mm -hmm. you have a miscarriage does not mean that it's over. It does not mean that it's the end and you can try again. There are medications out there where some that are living with lupus and other chronic illnesses may feel that they're having a hard time conceiving, right? And so that's why it's mm -hmm. so important to go to our physicians and, and have those conversations and make sure that everything is okay because just because you miscarried one time does not mean that you will miscarry again. And of course, the loopy girl, I, you know, this couldn't be the prehive if I couldn't talk from a more personal experience. And so in my, my early, my young days, right, I'm talking like I'm so old. I'm not that old. But, um, <laughs> we getting up there, younger, though, Bree. Girl getting crispy. Okay, I'm getting crispy. I know that. <laughs> but I did. I, I did. I did miss Gary. And I took that very hard. I took it. I took it very hard because. I just felt I gave up. I just was just kind of like, okay, this is not meant for me, you know? And I think I just was more devastated because of course, you know, you're walking around, you know, you, you know, thinking in your head, like, oh my gosh, is it going to be a boy or a girl? You know, I'm thinking about, you know, baby shower. I hadn't even made it 
past the first trimester, but you know, you're thinking about, you know, baby shower, you're thinking about, oh my gosh, like what kind of mother am I going to be? I'm thinking about all these different things in my head. And, you know, literally I went nine weeks, nine, right? But I miscarried at six. So I think what broke my heart was to know that I was carrying a fetus that was not living my, my my baby wasn't living and I was walking around for three weeks mm. not knowing just you know and it wasn't until I went to listen to that baby's heartbeat and it, it was crazy because as soon as you know the doctor I don't know the machine that they use but I think it's a sonogram Doppler yes as soon as he put it there and I didn't hear anything I knew instantly like it was just this feeling in my gut and I was I looked at my boyfriend he looked at me and he just was he gave me this look like no 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 no, it's gonna be okay he was just kind of trying to reassure me but I had already had it deep down in my head that yeah there was no heartbeat and so of course it felt like a movie you know because then the doctor I had we had to go to the doctor's office and we're sitting in the office and I had to give that doctor a lot of credit because I'm sure it was hard to, you know, kind of tell what was to me already present, was already known to me. And I just broke down in there. That's all I could do, you know. And so, of course, years have passed. But throughout the years, I've watched my friends have children. I mean, children back to back. You know, for years, I just kind of, there was a lot of things that happened, right? There are times that I blame myself. There are times that I question myself. And it is so important, so important to know that therapy is okay. It is okay to talk to somebody. Because if I hadn't talked to somebody, I would have lost my mind. Because I think that it is one of the greatest gifts in the world to be a parent. And of course, you know, I want to be able to, you know, take the things that my parents have instilled in me and to instill in someone that may eventually grow up to look like either me or whoever their father, you know, may, you know, may be, you know, and it just, though it breaks my heart because I'm trying not to cry, but I do know that that is not it, right? I know that there are plans for me and whatever that plan is and whatever that purpose is, I know that eventually I will I will have a child, okay? I'm speaking it into existence. Yes. And the feeling of wanting to be a parent wanting to be a mother is so great in me you know I you know I just continue to have faith and continue to believe that God will bless me and I say all of that to say to you all that you know I hope and want for you to have you know faith as well and to to know that he has the final say so and though you know the doctors may tell you hey, you know, we don't think it's a good idea or, you know, you can't have children. I'm sure they do have heard stories of people being told, like, hey, you can't have children. And then next thing you know, Mm -hmm. they pop out two, three of them, you know? And so always just continue to never give up and know that they don't have the final say-so. You don't even have the final say-so. And if you want to, you know, continue to try. And, you know, like I always always preach, you know, have the conversation with your doctor. And there are, you know, high risk doctors out there that may know or understand a little bit more in depth dealing with pregnancy and those living with chronic illnesses. Right. And so Renee, do you have anything? I would say, first of all, Bree, you are just such an amazing person. Just, you know, I believe in the power of storytelling. You know, our 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 testimonies in life aren't meant to be kept to ourselves. 
They were meant to be shared and empower others. And so the platform that you've created here, this podcast, is just going to do just that. You're going to give so many, you know, women and men hope that they can live their full lives. And, you know, you sharing about your miscarriage and what an emotional toll it took on you, just, it's so empowering. And Brie, you're so strong. And I want motherhood for you and all the women and all the folks that want to have children. I wish that for you. I, it does take a toll. You know, it's not, it's parenthood, you know, either trying to conceive or once the baby is here is, is something that takes a toll on you, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so having a good support system throughout that process, you know, I have my best friend who struggled with pregnancy and had several miscarriages before she finally was able to conceive and have her daughter, you know, and to watch and, uh, you know, and support her. Though at times I had to support her at a distance because she just needed space, right? You know, me having had two children and us being the same age and having the same plans, it was difficult for me to support her the way she needed it, right? She just needed to grieve and sometimes she just needed to be angry and she needed to be frustrated, but she always wished me well and was happy for me and, you know, what I've been able to do. And so it's one of those things where people who are living with chronic illnesses and suffering through miscarriages. You don't have to be silent. Find those support groups. Like Bree said, talk to a therapist that can help you because those times can get dark if we let them. And so if we're able to reach out and, you know, talk to a therapist and get that help that we need to get us through to the next, you know, the next chapter, I definitely highly recommend it because when you fall on those dark times, when things don't go as planned, when those hopes and dreams that you've built up into the pregnancy and something goes wrong, you have to lean on your support, whether it's a therapist, whether it's your friends, whether it's the Brie Hive, it's whoever you need to, to get you through, because it can be very difficult. And even after baby arrives, it gets complicated even more after that. And so thank you, Brie, for sharing. And to all those moms that are, you know, hoping and praying and wishing, I'm praying for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, talking about, you know, miscarriage is always a hard one for me. And of course, you know, the prehab is a safe platform. So I feel like, you know, I can share my feelings when it comes to talking about it. You know, I don't talk about it much, but, you know, I talk about it so that people know, like, yes, I've experienced it. You know, Mm -hmm. the loopy girl has been through that and I know what that feels like. I can, I, you know, with those who experience it, I can both sympathize and empathize with them. And so, yes, it is a part of my journey. It's a part of the 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 journey of the loopy girl and it has made me stronger, right? And it has it definitely strengthened my faith. You know, they say you have the faith of a mustard seed. You know, I think my faith is the size of I can't I can't put a size to it, but just know it's bigger than a mustard seed. Okay? <laughs> Much bigger than mustard seed. So yeah. Yeah. So to kind of steer a little bit to the right, Olivia, we're gonna steer one more time. Let's talk about, and I know this is kind of going, maybe, I guess we're maybe going backwards a little bit, dating. Mm-hmm. Just dating. Right now, online dating is it. It's the thing. It's out. It's, it's, it's what people doing. You know, we've had, you know, the COVID pan- pandemic where people was locked up in the house. People wanted somebody to talk to. They wanted their boo. And there are, you know, relationships that have grown and taken off from dating online and even outside of online dating we back outside y'all we back outside so we've been able you know well people okay i'm not gonna say we okay i'm giving myself away i guess people have been able to go outside and you know meet people and so with that you know i just want to talk a little bit about go outside those with chronic illnesses those with lupus go outside Whatever, I don't know, you know, city girls, whatever you on. <laughs> the hot girl you know, summers. <laughs> yeah, hot girl summer. Listen, go outside and do your thing. There are people out there. You know, they always say that there are so many fish in the sea. There are so many people out in the world, okay? And yes, mm-hmm. the city is small. The city is small. But venture outside the city. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some tools just to stay safe while dating and that and and i'm talking as far as a chronic illness standpoint as well as just non-chronic you don't have a chronic illness 
you know, those with chronic illnesses, we are so conscious, right? For example, you know, y'all didn't know me. Y'all know I have a dialysis perm catheter in my chest, okay? So I can't wear my little cute little tank tops. I mean, I can, but of course I was always conscious about what me, you know, what somebody would think, you know, meeting me for the first time. Here I got this big patch on my chest. I got these two red and blue tubes sticking out. Like, what is going on with, like, what's the what, what, you know? But it took for me to go outside. It took for me to hang out with my friends and meet people and even just, you know, have those talks to remind myself. Like, have you ever just looked in the mirror and be like, God, hot dog, just, why are you so fine? Why are you so fine? <laughs> have you ever had that with yourself? And oh. so one time, as nervous as I was, I could not find a shirt to cover my chest as, you know, good enough. And I literally went outside and was like, forget it. And it actually sparked the conversation. It sparked the conversation around chronic illnesses. And of course, like we all, or not if all, most of us experience, you know, when we tell somebody that we have lupus, usually somebody says, you know, they know somebody that have lupus, right? Or I've had surprising conversations where someone will reveal that they truly understand lupus and how it affects the body. I had somebody Ooh. bring it all the way down for me. Oh, yeah. And it just was such a relief. And so Renee said it earlier. You know, we put these thoughts in people's head. Now, listen to what I said. We put thoughts in people's head. Mm-hmm. Like we think they thinking something and the whole time they thinking about how cute we look in our dress. Like, you know, it's just stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. please go outside. But while you're outside, don't forget, be safe. Because, you know, we see these people, you know, whether it's on, you know, Facebook dating or plenty of fish, I roll, whatever it is that you're on. <laughs> You know, just make sure that you are being safe, even when you're out in public and you meet somebody, you know, just make sure that you're in a well-lit place. Be safe. And so, you know, I want to run that back to you, Renee, as far as maybe some tips to, you know, for those that are living with chronic illnesses or not on what they can do to be safe. And, you know, some things that may help the insecurities or their, their you know, their thought, their they they may have some anxiety or some fears. They may this may be their first time out on a date in a long time and they're just nervous. And so do you have any tips or some thoughts? Oh yeah. First of all, Bree, you are a whole vibe. Who wouldn't want <laughs> to just hang around you, be around you? And well, you say that I for the see, people in the back. Yes. If y'all didn't know, Bree is a whole vibe, I'm y'all. A vibe. And so when you see Brie, when you meet Brie, you meet her energy first, right? You meet her, you you feel her spirit, you know she's good people, and you just are gravitated towards her aura. So you you may not notice the port. You may not even notice anything that she's insecure about because her personality is just shining above all else. And so when you step outside for the first time, let your aura shine. Don't worry about if they're thinking about this, if they're wondering about this. You'll get to those questions eventually, Right. So just mm-hmm. put your best foot forward and say, you know what? I'm trying to go out here and I want to attract a good vibe. And so I'm going to put out a good vibe. And that doesn't come with your head lowered, with you worried about covering up everything and making sure like that you're, you're presenting, you know, this perfect person. It's being authentically and genuinely who you are. Like have some good girls, some good friends in your circle that'll let you know, like, yes, this outfit is on point. Maybe we want to change it up here. Maybe this color, you know, can happen and not this color, and get people around you who can help boost up your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And go out in, in groups. Like, I mean, shamelessly, not shamelessly, what am I trying to say here? Unfortunately, I didn't date online. You know, I, me, and, me and my partner, my husband, we met in college, like the old-fashioned way. So I pray for everybody who was doing this online dating thing. Because I see some of my friends, and I, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> oh, I struggle, right? But I've seen some successes from online dating. And so it's really just about putting yourself out there. You're mm-hmm. not going to exude confidence if you don't feel confident in of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so 
I always tell people I I've gained weight, lost weight, carried pregnancies, and mm-hmm. you know the stomach the stomach ain't doing what the stomach used to do, right? It ain't stomach. And so right, it ain't stomaching. So when I stand in the mirror, sometimes I have to hype myself up, and this is mm-hmm. for for me just to have sex or just to go out with my husband who I've been with for years, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Sometimes we just have to get naked, like stand in front of the mirror naked and look at your body. And don't start, don't start with, oh, I don't like this and oh, I don't like that. Start looking at the things you do like. Like you like the way your hips look. You like the way your legs are long. You like the way your skin is glowing. Like positive affirmations really go a long way. And so if we can start appreciating ourselves for the wonderful beings that we are, then we don't have to convince anybody else. They'll automatically see us as wonderful beings. But if we have to convince ourselves, we're gonna have to do twice as hard to convince somebody else. Ooh. And so Come listen, on, a word. A word. Okay, a word. That was <laughs> definitely a word. And so that was that was it. That was it for oh. tonight. Hold on, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had another oh. piece of advice. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. you have to also understand what kind of life you're about. And I always say, mm-hmm. are you about that life? So if you're going out looking for a one night stand, make sure you pack that bag with your meds and your condoms and your morning after pill. Like make Hello. sure that everything is packed in your little bag because mm-hmm. you don't want to get yourself caught up somewhere if you take your meds in the morning and you get caught up at Joe Schmo's house and you don't have your meds in the morning. Mm-hmm. So pack your things, make sure you have what you need to be, you know, what you need to have to be safe. Be aware of what the drink ratio is. If you can drink with your meds or not, just be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And just always, always share your location with somebody, mm-hmm. right? Like have somebody in your circle that you can say, hey, I'm going out. Here's his license plate. Here's her phone number. Here's the address where I'm going. So they know who you're in company with. Mm-hmm. So that way you can share that information, especially if the person isn't aware that there is a chronic illness that may, you know, you may have a side effect. You may have something happen while you're away with that person. Mm-hmm. And so just mm-hmm. always having a way to alert them as to how to help you. Mm-hmm. whether it's a, a bracelet or an emergency contact in your phone you know i always put ice in all caps next to my mom or my partner so that way they know ice is a case of emergency so there are little mm-hmm. things that we can do to protect ourselves if we're going out for a hot girl summer or if we're dating for long term and so just be sure that we are safe out here in these streets mm-hmm. yep so i do that as well you know, I have ICE in my phone. And not only that, my, my close friends, they know. Here is my location. I usually share my location all the time because just mm-hmm. in case, you know, something happens. I mean, I've had seizures in the past. So just in the case that something happens, but just in case something happens and I'm with who I think is bae and it ain't really bae, they know where I am. And, you know, I don't know much about Android, even though I started my cell phone life out with Android. It really was a, a little Nokia phone, but we're not going to talk about that. You know, I don't know how they work, but I know on iPhone, you can go into your contact, that particular contact you want to go into. And literally there is an option to share your location. And the same thing as far as if they want to share their location with you. And so, yeah, like it's very, very, very important. And with that bag, right? You know, we always get the whole bag ready. Right. The whole (laughs) bag, right? So we always make sure that we got this bag. And in this bag, we always, we got soap. We got, you know, a fresh set of clothes. We got all of that. Your medicine is important too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't forget your meds. And if you feel like you got to bring, you know, a little bit of Tylenol or whatever the case, bring all of that. Because you, one, think about why we bring, why we take those bags, right? We take those bags because of, we don't want to do that walk of shame in those clothes that we went into, we went there with, we walking out with the next day, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing with your meds, right? You don't want to have a side effect or you don't want to be having to rush home because, you know, you forgot your meds. And, you know, just in case of emergency, let's just, just, let's just say, for instance, you had the thought like, hey, I'm going to go to work from this place right? But you forgot your meds. Now that kind of puts you behind and you may end up late for work or late for wherever it is that you're trying to go. So just make sure, you know, make sure that you, you know, fully prepare. And if that means you have to create some type of checklist in your phone, it doesn't hurt. Um, You know, iPhone, I'm talking, speaking of iPhone, you know, I'm sorry, Androids, but with iPhone, it has like this reminder thing where literally it will continue. Trust because I know mm-hmm. it will continue to pop up on your phone and remind you and remind you and remind you. 
And so if that's what you need in order to make sure that you good and you straight, do that. That doesn't hurt. Yep. So, Renee, I have to say thank you. I have to say, I have to truly say thank you. You know, sometimes talking about this topic can be kind of shaky for me, but you definitely, you know, help me make this warm. And for that, I could do nothing but say thank you. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes, you know, not even sometimes, the loopy girl is like Brianna's alter ego, right? You know, she is this strong, just bodacious woman that's just out here in these streets, just taking Lupus over by storm. Every time she see Lupus, she just, you know, body slamming her. You know what I'm saying? Whereas mm-hmm. Brianna is kind of like, you know, and I think a lot of times, sometimes people kind of look at the loopy girl and don't think that the loopy girl goes through things. You know, the yeah. loopy girl experiences things. The loopy girl, you know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people don't think that the loopy girl cry about other things, and she, and she does. And so it was just such an amazing opportunity to be on this podcast with you and be vulnerable and and be open and be real and you know have this conversation. And of course, I think this is something that we can talk about for hours, right? You know, and though we you know are here for this limited moment, I think that we covered. A lot. We covered a lot. And, you know, those who listening, who are listening to this this podcast, I hope that there was something that resonated with you because this 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 was definitely a good topic, a touchy topic, a special topic, just topics a of topics. A necessary right? topic. And, and, and necessary. Definitely oh, necessary yeah. because it's happening. And those that are living with lupus, those that are living with chronic illnesses, we all need love. Okay. We need love. We need oh, something yeah. to be to love somebody right and something i always say and it's a joke and you know i'll close out here we all are ugly to somebody right they always say that beauty is the eye of the beholder right and it is so though you may think that because you have a chronic illness that you may be like nobody don't want to be with me you'll be surprised Uh okay you'll be surprised so Again, thank you, Renee, so much. And do you have any last words? This has just been an absolute pleasure. And I appreciate you so much for doing this, for having me. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what else we're going to do together. Of course. Okay, so y'all heard her, right? So (laughs) she know when I call her. Okay. So now, Renee, I know that you are a sexual health educator as well as you know, a mental health therapist. And so I just know there's somewhere, you know, that they can find you if they want to, you know, learn more about you and what it is that you're doing. Thank you so much for asking, Bree. Yes, we are available at Mental Health in Action. And so you can find us on Instagram as well as Facebook by doing a search for Mental Health in Action or visiting us on our website, mentalhealthinaction.org. Yes. Again, thank you all so much for coming and be sure to, you know, check our website. If you want to learn more information about lupus, the loopy girl, we can be found at theloopygirl.org and our social media, of course, handles because we can be found on social media at the loopy girl. Make sure that you have the loopy girl. You know, many people do put in loopy girl and they can find us, but just in case, And to hear more of these episodes, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform at thebrehive.com. And also, wellsaidpbc.org.